2: radio for Western Montana, KKVU HD3 Stevensville, and 102.9 FM on K275BS Missoula. It's four o'clock. Welcome to Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television.
1: I like football!
2: Now, the 2017 Radio Sports Broadcaster of the Year on the show with back to back Montana Broadcaster Association Awards for sports coverage and award winning sports journalism. Here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello,
1: Montana. Ah! Week two of the Montana and Montana State football schedules is upon us. We take a look ahead at North Alabama and Southeast Missouri. On this Wednesday afternoon, and we're giving away tickets and we're giving away wings. It's a great show and it's a great day to be here. Great to be with all of you. It is to tell Nuwanas, One. 1029 ESPN radio. Happy to have you on board. Thanks for being with us on your radios, on your televisions across the state on SWX Montana, and on the stream on the YouTube channel. How about that? 2 tell Nuana's YouTube channel. Go check that out on, well, YouTube. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 and Seeley, online at kurtzpolaris.com. You can find us online as well, 1029ESPN.com. There you can listen to the stream. You click the Listen Live tab, and you guess what? Listen live. It's there thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to call us, you are welcome to do that as well. 329-1899, the phone number, 329-1899. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Plenty to get to today. We spent yesterday, which was the first day of our week out of Labor Day, looking back at the weekend that was for the Cats and the Grizz football teams and the uh, the game that they played last Saturday. We are now, on this Wednesday, going to start looking forward to Week 2. A couple of home games, the home openers for both schools, the under-the-lights games for both schools, the Gold Rush game uh, for uh, Montana State, and of course no- North, North Alabama coming to uh, Missoula to take on the Grizzlies. Uh, so we will hear from uh, Bobby Houck. We will hear a little bit actually from uh, uh, Dalton Sneed today as well. And then we will also hear uh, from Coach Choate too. We will spend a little bit of time, we'll spend a little more time on the University of Montana today uh, because uh, we are going to hear from Bobby Houck a little later on in the week from from some things today this afternoon. Whereas we'll have the stuff from Choate's uh, press conference from Monday uh, to get us throughout. So we'll use some of that uh, tomorrow and, and Friday uh, for Montana State. We will have wings to give away, people. People. Wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern, the best wings in the city of uh, Missoula, and we got some uh, trivia. I'm going to do some Ezekiel Elliott trivia. Gold has got some other stuff for you as well. And speaking of Ezekiel Elliott, uh, yeah, it was a big day for uh, for the Zeekster. $102 million it, it total amount that is on the books now with the Cowboys: a six-year extension, uh, fifty million of that guaranteed, and uh, he is the uh, highest-paid running back in NFL history. Uh, so I guess it was uh, a nice. It must be nice. You go on vacation to uh, Cabo San Lucas, and then you come back uh, to nine figures. Pretty good. I guess you could do uh, you could do worse than that. So we got all that, and at the top of the hour. Excuse me. We are going to give away tickets to the North Alabama Montana Grizzly football game, the home opener for the uh, the Grizz under the lights. Seven o'clock kickoff uh, at Washington Grizzly Stadium. We got a pair of tickets for you. We're giving them away via Facebook, uh, 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 you know, challenge, however you want to do it, contest. All you got to do is go into uh, our ESPN Missoula Facebook page, and there is a picture up there, and you got to caption the picture. Okay, it's a picture of me with a child in a bar. Pretty standard. I mean, pretty standard. You know. So uh, go ahead and take a look at that uh, at that picture. Put a caption on it, and uh, at the top of the hour, we will select the person uh, or the caption that we like the best and uh, that individual is going to get a pair of tickets to the Grizzly North Alabama uh, home opener for Montana. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Coulter is on his way. He's at practice uh, right now. He is on his way in here and we are going to, uh, and so when he gets here we'll go through a bunch of stuff uh, that he got for us today, but we wanted to start with the University of of Montana against North Alabama and specifically look at North Alabama because North Alabama is a school that a lot of people uh, around here, you know, don't know much about and so we wanted to give you some information, try and help you out a little bit uh in terms of uh, of of who it is and what it is what they're about at North Alabama. Now we, uh Coulter and I, and I think a lot of people, you know, sat here and went, Well that South Dakota game last weekend is really big because the next three weeks is pretty much in the market, right? Two two and one. Two wins, one loss you know, on the road at Oregon, obviously, uh, uh, you know, going to be it would be a monumental upset. Uh, you know, for, for Montana to win those games, and it seemed like it would be a significant upset for Montana to lose either against North Alabama or Monmouth. Now, we'll leave Monmouth for Monmouth because that would be North Alabama. However, uh, is a team that is is sort of in you know on the periphery only because they're new, not because they're bad. In fact, North Alabama has one of the great Division II track records ever. They're the only school, in fact, ever to win three consecutive Division, National II, uh, Divi- uh, Division II National Championships. That happened in the, in the early 90s, like 93 through 95. But they won another one in, I think, 2015, 2013, 2015, something like that. Then in 2017, they stepped up to the Division One ranks, to the FCS level. They played last year as an independent and now this year are being grafted into the Big South uh, uh, conference. And they have not... So they're playing a full Big South uh, conference schedule but are not yet full, quote-unquote, members uh, of the conference. Uh, It's sort of like North Dakota, where North Dakota... They're on their way out rather than on their way in. But North Dakota is playing this Big Sky Conference schedule, but they're not members of the Big Sky Conference anymore. Well, it's sort of like that, but instead of being a team on its way out, they're a team that is on its way on their way in for North Alabama. But North Alabama uh, won, went 8-3 and last season, and they are 1-0 and to start this season. They just beat Western Illinois, who Montana lost to, by the way, last year. And uh, that was something that Bobby Houck, and we'll hear from, from Coach Houck about some of this stuff, uh, spoke to uh, excessively, or notably, I guess I should say, uh, about this North Alabama team. That this was a club that he, that, you know, that, that got their attention in a big hurry when they go and get a win against a very good and, and a team with a long history in Western Illinois. They beat that team last Saturday. They're 1-0. And they have an outstanding football program. I mean that's the thing. This is not a team that's been division one and has just been languishing on the vine. They have always had exceptional football at North Alabama, so much so that they're now stepping up and that makes them a dangerous team. A really dangerous team. Now, is Montana, you know, will Montana be favored on Saturday? Of course. Of course. But they're not a team to be taken lightly by any stretch of the imagination. And I think as you start to look at some of the guys, some of the players that they have on this team. You go, oh, oh, wow. There's some there's some real physical big athletes on the football team for the North Alabama Lions. Notably, one guy is Christian Lopez, who is their senior quarterback. And he has a connection to Bobby Houck too in a certain way, uh, going back to the time when Bobby Houck was at UNLV. Because at that time he was an up-and-coming high schooler in Henderson, Nevada. And Bobby Houck was aware of this kid. Here's what he had to say about Christian Lopez, the North Alabama quarterback.
2: Well, the fourth quarter was a thing of beauty.
1: Nope, we don't, want the, we don't want the fourth quarter, Coach. We'll get to that. We want to get to the quarterback stuff, you know? I mean, you sit there, you kind of put it in there, and then all of a sudden you don't have any idea where you're at anymore. That's the way these things go from time to time. Okay, so we'll get to the quarterback stuff here in a little bit because Coulter just walked in anyway. we got to hear what Coulter's got to say about uh, – uh, uh, about practice uh this afternoon we'll get to the house sound here in just a little bit as we're able to but nonetheless christian lopez a senior quarterback uh who was outstanding uh you know as a high schooler and as a guy who was uh you know bobby Houk will say he's a guy that we knew presumably he was a guy who was at least recruiter talked to with the least you know who, who knows you know what what when you cross the threshold from being aware of somebody to recruiting somebody but somebody who was certainly on Bobby Haug and his staff's radar while he was at UNLV he ends up going to North Alabama which is quite a ways away i mean north alabama from uh, from from nevada is a, a pretty good trek but he ends up there after uh, spending a little bit of time at a at a community college and now all of a sudden as a senior quarterback who was outstanding last year and uh, is a guy who's a real threat it seems like you know a real threat but an outstanding player and a veteran kid coming into this game Saturday. Hello, Coulter. How are you? Welcome to the show. Nice to see you. Out of
0: breath? Everything okay? I'm good. No. Doing doing great. Life run by cords. Uh, here we are. Okay. Very good. Um, Grizz practicing the River Bowl today. Everybody present and accounted for. Jesse Sims, full pats. So, I think that's welcome news for the Grizzlies. Depth chart came out yesterday. Sims was li- listed as an or at nose, but not, not listed as out. So, uh, the senior from Stevensville wearing number 37 looks like he's going to be uh, at least relatively healthy. It's a a, a sort of uh, broad term this time of year. It is a broad term. Okay, we're going to go back to Christian
1: Lopez. We do have the sound for you from Bobby Houck about him. Again, this is on the quarterback, Northern, North Alabama, the team that Montana plays Saturday.
2: You know, knowing who he is and somewhat of some about him, uh, he's a competitive guy. You know he loves to play. That's how he wound up all the way out in Alabama from being kind of a West Coast guy. And you know he's a smart player. Uh, he does things right. He'll uh, he'll keep plays alive. He moves around the pocket really well. Uh, he's not afraid to to send it downfield. Uh, he's he's got the ability to throw it uh, down the field as well as uh, finding the the check down All those things. He's pretty patient in the pocket. So. You know, he's a guy that's uh real comfortable in their offense, it appears to me, and and he'll be hard to deal with.
1: So there you go. Uh Bobby Houck talking about Christian Lopez, the uh northern Alabama quarterback and er, Coulter, when you look at North Alabama, and you've got a, right up on Skyline Sports already a preview of of this team and this school. And you look at the program, and I went through kind of the, the you know some of the, the the notable moments of the history and how good this program has been. And a lot of people assume you know once you step up in division, it takes a while before you're able to you know really be competent and competitive at that division. But for North, North Alabama, they've been so good for so long; they're just a football program in the south in Alabama where there's plenty of players around to come you know come play at your school and they've been they've been good from day one at the FCS level
0: yeah i think it's very interesting to analyze teams that move up from division 2 to division 1 a lot of times the transition is from D2 to FCS and i think that there are usually three primary factors that spur a team moving up it's either uh, an influx of resources So you look at a team like Coastal Carolina, who went from the FCS to the FBS recently. Look at at a team like Old Dominion from the same neck of the woods. Those teams got massive revenue resource boosts. They had boosters come to the table and say, hey, what do you guys need to play the top level of football? Okay, we're going to build you that. We're going to buy you that, and you guys are going to go compete at that level. So there's not a lot of entrenched tradition at those schools, they just had an influx of money, and, that, and that's something that can really help you accelerate your progress quickly, probably the number one factor in quick acceleration. But then you see teams like Georgia Southern or App State, the went from the FCS to the FBS. Those teams, they developed resources on their own from having so much success, and it basically just became written on the wall, okay, what else are you going to accomplish if you're Georgia Southern? You've won six FCS National Championships. If you're App State, you've got four, including three in a row. You know and you already have mid major level at least f b s facilities you're already drawing thirty thousand plus a game you already have so much of this other stuff on the table uh, but I think that that's a, that that is the case when it comes to the d two to d one the d two to f c s transition sometimes as well, and you know we've seen schools like um San Diego move up recently. That's, that's resource-based and the teams that are around you based more than anything else. San Diego needed to have peer opponents. They needed to be able to play Cal Poly and have Cal Poly be interested in that. They had to be able to play UC Davis and have UC Davis be interested in that. It's not as interesting for those teams to play you if you're D2. Yep. So you move up to FB, FCS Independent, you also have money. But then you see schools like North Alabama is the best example I can find. But if a school like West Texas A&M or Texas A&M-Kingsville or Central Washington, if those D2 schools moved up to the FCS, they would be competitive right away. And it's be, not because of the money. It's because of the tradition. If you have a tradition-laden program, I mean, ever, people that, that don't know the story of North Dakota State, they just look at the, the resume and they say, oh, this team only went Division One in 2008? How did they build it into by the time 2011 rolls around, now they've won seven out of the last eight national championships. I mean, North Dakota State has won seven national championships. They've only been Division One for 12 seasons. That's incredible when you think about it. But then if you also dive into the history, North Dakota State won, I don't even know, 10 D2 national championships? I mean, they if you go to their arena, the amount of North Central Conference banners that hang from the Fargo Dome, its it's literally dozens. You're talking 30-plus conference championship banners. So there was never any expectation but winning. There was never any, uh, the culture that existed for NDSU football, which started in the late 60s, never wavered. So you don't have to have the, the hope of winning or the allure of winning instilled into your fan base or your followers or your boosters or just the fabric of your program. And that all trickles down then to your coaches and your players. So I listened to your whole first intro. Good job, by the way. Uh, but when you, right. look at, when you look at a team that's won... I mean, they, North Alabama won 27 conference championships. They right. were in the Division II playoffs year after year after year. So the expectation at North Alabama is to win. And, and people might scoff at the notion of tradition, but it carries over. And so many of the historically good football programs have been historically good for really long periods of time. And so... I know when North Alabama North Alabama first landed on my radar last year because they played uh, this FCS independent schedule, and their first game on that schedule was at Southern Utah. And at that time, we didn't know Southern Utah was going to become what they became, which was a 1-10 in 10 team who couldn't stop anybody. I was analyzing Southern Utah through the lens of a team that had made the playoffs three out of the last five years and won two out of the last three Big Sky Championships. Mm-hmm. So when North Alabama went into Cedar City— And Christian Lopez, the quarterback you're talking about, engineers this epic, super nice 11-play drive to end the game, and they score with like a minute to go to go up 34-30. It's like, wow, North Alabama's here. This is a team that's ready to compete now. First D1 game, they are marching down the field against the defending Big Sky champs, and they are scoring and that was the first domino to Southern Utah season spiraling out of control and really getting kinda of just uh, just just not finishing nearly close to how they wanted it to finish. But you gotta give credit where credit's due. And I think that, you know, then North Alabama, the rest of their schedule was sort of weird. They played some D twos, they played some NAIA's. They also played North Dakota State, which they were actually relatively competitive with thirty to seven is, you know, I mean, it's three touchdowns better than the cats did during the playoffs, you <laughs> yeah, know. I mean right? if you can if you can Be within four scores of North Dakota State, at this point you're accomplishing something. But just looking at the physical makeup of their guys on their roster, combined with the fact that they do have a winning tradition, I know, like you said in the intro, there's a lot of people that I think looked at the schedule and thought, Grizz W, mark it down, and I think that this team is going to be a lot more physically formidable than people expect, especially in certain spots. When you look at their roster, Christian Lopez is a real deal player. He's a he's a good player. I mean, he he would be good in every FCS league. he's, he's got mobility. He's got a good arm. He's got moxie. He's got he's got onions. I mean, he, he's he's got a lot of fortitude. But the way he operates, he's fast. You look at some of their guys on their front seven. I mean, they got they have some DNs that are, you know. It, it, in the cliche word of so many coaches these days, that are twitchy, guys yeah. that can really get off the ball fast. But I, I just think that you know, if, if Grizz fans are expecting this team to look like a D2 squad that's just going to roll over, these guys are going to look a lot different than you expect them to look. They yeah. are physically put together for sure. Like Bobby Houck said, they, they do not look D2. They, these guys are big, fast, and strong. They look D1 all the way.
1: Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed. guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Got to have it.
0: You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You got to get all that stuff in.
1: Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber-optic network throughout Montana, through Bozeman and around Gallatin County. More than 30 miles of fiber-optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing.
0: Impressive, innovative, and a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing.
1: Click on the link below. Go blackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to and how they're improving communication across the state of montana
0: so go to goblackfoot.com backslash espn now is it surprising to you
1: that that montana is playing two big south opponents in their non-conference schedule when they have north alabama and monmouth both coming to you know missoula as as their as their home non conferences is
0: that way well to be fair neither of these teams were in the big south when these games were scheduled so it is a little bit rare because it, it's not a conference that the Big Sky in general usually crosses right. over with at all. But Monmouth used to be in a different—actually, I, I think they've even been independent. They played Montana State in 2013, and uh, I can't remember if they were independent or if they were in the American East. But Monmouth is in Philadelphia. It's yeah, so. it's like in New, it's in, Jersey, it's yeah. in New Jersey. It's in Monmouth, New Jersey. Across,
1: it's, but a, right there. Right I mean, by I mean, Philly. right. <laughs> Philadelphia spills over into Jersey, yes.
0: right? And uh, so it's sort of weird that they're in the Big South. I I didn't really get that transition. Sort of like Idaho being in the Sun belt. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, and North Alabama wasn't in any league until then. right? Sure, sure. So uh, it, it, it's mm. uh, I think I think it's fun. I like when they, they cross over because, like I always say, I know a lot about the Missouri Valley and I know a lot about the Southland, and. Uh, you know, you know a lot about the Colonial Athletic Association just because they've had so many good teams so often throughout the years, but you hardly know anything about the Patriot League. You hardly know anything about the Big South, the Ohio Valley. Mm-hmm. It's fun to learn about the teams.
1: Well, it's interesting too because these, you know, the Big South is is to you know the Big Sky, the Missouri Valley, what the mid-major conferences are to the Power Five, uh, essentially. That said, there's plenty of schools in the mid-major conferences at the FBS level that play and win and win regularly regularly over teams from the Power Five conferences. And I mean, if you look, I mean, Cincinnati just beat UCLA week one and were favored to do so heading into the football game. Uh, uh, and, you know, Houston was a top-10 team a couple of years ago. Western Michigan, you know, that one year they had that one big season where they jumped up there and won 10 wins or whatever it was. So there's there's always good teams at that level and then the question is first of all how how good is you know your team whether it's in this case Montana or Montana State and then secondly which type of team are you getting and i think in north alabama you're getting a very uh well new a very good opponent to play and it isn't as if it's a step down in division or anything like that i mean this is a national fcs you know, team that's playing for all the same things that the University of Montana, Montana State are playing for, and so uh, you know it'll be it'll be a fun and 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 again a win already over over Western Illinois. I mean that should resonate with people, especially in Missoula, especially in Western Montana, when you talk about uh, a, a team that Montana did not beat last uh, you know a season ago, uh, and so that's it gives you kind of a frame of reference, at least for com- competitiveness, you know, and it's, you know, it's different. That game was in Alabama. There was a home opener for UNA, whereas, uh, you know, the Grizzlies went to Macomb, Illinois, to play that game on the road last year. But again, if you were to, if you were to say, well, Western Illinois or North Alabama to just anybody walking along the street, who's going to win that game? I mean, nine out of ten is going to tell you Western Illinois is going to win that football game, just on name recognition and history and all that alone. And uh, it was not the case. So this is going to be a very good football team, like you said.
0: Well, and everybody I've heard from, including some of Montana's coaches from a year ago, is that Macomb, Illinois, is just so hard to get to. Yeah. So Winning their period, no matter what the quality of Western Illinois' team is, is impressive. And I think that Western Illinois, uh, they did lose a lot. They lost Sean McGuire, who's one of the great quarterbacks there in their school's history. He's a three-year starter, multiple-time all-conference guy. They lost Steve McShane, who was one of the great two-sport athletes in America last year. I mean, he was a... He's a first-team all-conference baseball player and a first-team all-conference football player. That's impressive in itself. Uh, it's, back to the Big South, though, it's interesting looking at the league because it has been an incubator league for the last decade or so. You look at a lot of the teams that were in the league that have then moved on, moved up, moved out. Uh, Elon, which was only in the league for five years, but now they're in the Colonial Athletic Association, and they were the most nondescript team in the CAA until last year when they shocked everybody and they finished second in the CAA and they they almost got a playoff seed. Mm -hmm. They were in the Big South for a minute. Liberty University, who's somebody that a lot of people around here have heard of because the Grizz have played them a couple times, in the non-conference, you know, they're all the way up in the FBS now, but they were in the Big South once upon a time. North Carolina Greensboro was in the Big South once upon a time. Uh, Towson was in the Big South, uh, specifically uh, right before they advanced all the way to the semifinals of the FCS Towson playoffs. was,
1: was fantastic.
0: Yes. Yeah, when, when they had Terrence West, which, by the way, what a story that kid was. That was one of the great stories in FCS football. That kid basically rode the subways. <laughs> he was an orphan who rode the subways in Baltimore County basically all the way until someone finally gave him a tryout, he tries out for Towson and then leads the country in rushing. Gets drafted by the Baltimore Ravens. What a story! Awesome. But uh, the uh, you know the, the Big South is a is a league that I agree with you right now. It's a mid-major uh, FCS league, but they're coming because they're adding a team in North Alabama that has tradition. They um, are adding Monmouth, or I guess Monmouth is officially now a part of the league, but that that gives them a different population base. To recruit from, because a lot of times in your league it opens up pipelines when you have mm-hmm. other schools there, because you can go com- recruit against them. You can say, hey, your parents will get to see you at least you know a couple times in your career when we're playing there. But they also added Kennesaw State, which I think Kennesaw State is the other example of the way teams can make splashes when they're new to a division. Kennesaw State is new, period. I mean, Kennesaw State has only been a football program since 2015, and they were top five in the nation. They were top five in the right. nation, exactly, by the f- time they were in year four, and they're still a top 15 team. So mm-hmm. the other thing to understand is that this part of the country is so fertile when it comes to recruiting. But there is so many guys in Georgia, Alabama, and Florida that can play D1 football at the FCS level. So many guys. I mean, truly, if you're talking about The three or four bigger divisions in those states, you're talking about guys. If you're starting, you got like a half, you got a 50% chance of being good enough if a coach gives you a chance, just purely based on your athletic talent. Mm -hmm. They they have said there's so many more just numbers of athletes that have the physical gifts that coaches look for. There's just guys that are just bigger, faster, and stronger. And so I think that's where North Alabama is going to be able to make some weight early, is just the fact that. They, I mean, just looking at the pictures of their guys last night, I mean, they have physically formidable dudes straight up right now.
1: Well, uh, the uh, information I'm getting has Montana minus 24 mm. in this game, which is a significant favorite. It's actually a gigantic favorite. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly they are a favorite. Certainly they would expect to win this football game and, uh, and probably should, particularly at home. And in a home opener and under the lights and all all that stuff that goes into it that you really can't quantify uh, that happens uh, in uh, in Missoula and in Bozeman on these you know special nights under the lights of which there are not many but it is I think it, I think there's a certain lack of whether it's respect or just appreciation for what North Alabama really does bring to the table as a football team overall and I think it's a really you know this is a, a club that is going to be you know it's not just going to be probably sixty to nothing. You know, it's it's not going to be over over at halftime. And no, you know, don't worry about it. Who knows how a game's going to go? But I think this is a, a team that's got a lot of skill and a lot of of pride in what they do, and are gonna are gonna uh, come here and be excited to play a football
0: game in uh, at Washington Grizzly. Comparing, comparing and contrasting, you know. Someone might listen to what I just said and say, well, why are not all the teams from the South, the FCS, just dominating everybody? I think it's a give and take. Uh, oftentimes, those schools, they don't necessarily recruit the most polished athletes. So every guy, even though if they have the baseline athleticism to be a top-level guy, they don't, the, 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 the baseline fundamentals aren't there. So they're playing catch-up for a lot of their careers. Mm-hmm. And so if they have anything to rail it, whether it's an injury or a missed opportunity— you don't ever fulfill your potential. So they, I think that's where sometimes it goes by the wayside. Well, the other thing, too, Coulter, is in Washington, big state, there's two schools. Right.
1: Oregon, one and a half football schools. <laughs> right. In Florida, Florida State, Florida, Miami, UCF, South Florida. Uh, 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 Florida International, Florida Atlantic. Florida Gulf Coast. Like, I mean. Florida and, and A&M. Those are, those are the FBS schools. Sure. I mean, there's, there's six to eight of those before you've even started to get into all the JCs and all of the, you know, FCS schools that are down in that area, and that's one state. I mean, there's just so many more. They need more dudes.
0: And, and just comparing and contrasting to so many high school programs in Georgia and Alabama are on the option. So mm. the skill development, the toughness development, and the blocking and the running development is at a, a high as high level as you can find. The quarterback play and the passing stuff is not, and that's why so many quarterbacks come from the West Coast. That's why so many quarterbacks come from west of the Mississippi, out west, or, you know, the Midwest, Ohio and Michigan, because the the higher level of the sophistication of the offenses dictates so much how so many kids learn how to play, and I think that's why you see such rough-and-tumble play all levels in the South on the lines, because it's so practiced and it's so entrenched. But oftentimes why you see some of the, the biggest studs that are throwing the football, not from there. That's, what, that's the brilliance of college football, right, is the meshing and melding of all these people from all these different backgrounds, both physically and just culturally.
1: Well, it'll be a, uh, a fun game on Saturday. And, again, you've got about 30 minutes to go to our Facebook page, uh, ESPN uh, Missoula, and go caption the picture that is there. And uh, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to the Grizz North Alabama football game Saturday uh, at the top of the next hour. Quick break. It's time for Wing It Wednesday. 329-1899. The number 329-1899. We got wings for you from the Desperado Sports Tower. The best wings in the city of Missoula. We got some trivia questions for you. You answer a couple of trivia questions about running backs and contracts and Ezekiel Elliott and so forth and so on. And you're going to get yourself some wings for the Desperado. 329-1899. Call right now.
0: Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
2: ESPN Missoula Sports Center.
1: Good afternoon, Ryan Tutel. Tolton Juana's ESPN Sports Center. High school football got off to a resounding start as several Montana's top players had sizzling debuts Friday. Carson Rostad, the uh, the reigning Gatorade Player of the Year, a senior quarterback at Hamilton, threw for 396 yards and six touchdowns to help the Bronx to a 49-26 win over Butte Central. Gase Klusiewicz, one of the rising stars in the state, entering his junior year at Frenchtown, scored four touchdowns, including the game-winner in double overtime to lift the Southwest A's other Bronx to a 27-24 win over Dillon.
3: Missoula
0: Sentinel standout, Jackson Lee, a two-time All-State Class C selection at Flint Creek the last two years, who was committed to the Montana Grizz, scored on runs of 46, 11, and 65 yards to boost the Spartans to a 26-15 win over Great Falls High in his Class AA debut. And Tommy Malat, a Montana State commit, threw for 332 yards and five touchdowns to lead Butte High to a 46-20 win over Belgrade in the first-ever Class AA game for the Panthers.
1: The Pioneer League announced its season-ending All-Star team on Monday. Three players each from Billings, Grand Junction, Idaho Falls, and Ogden earned spots. Only one Missoula Osprey player that was shortstop Leo Verpiguero. And finally, the Osprey suffered a lopsided set 19-3 loss last night at Idaho Falls. Missoula heads to Billings for four games tonight to finish off the regular season.
2: This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound.
1: night four, four games one a night for the next four nights the Osprey two games back with four to go playing the team that is ahead of them
2: me, you know
1: so you win all four Missoula is going to the postseason Yep. if they win three there's a tie break and I do not know what the tie break is I don't either but they I got know Missoula had a better first half three. record if that, if that matters It is 2TEL 102.9 ESPN Radio. It is time for a Wing It Wednesday. And we got some trivia questions. We go to the phones and welcome in John to the show. John, how are you? Good, guys. How are you guys doing today? Outstanding, John. Appreciate you asking. Uh, Here's the deal, John. We got some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern on the line. You been down there? Have you had the wings in there? Oh, yeah. Well, then you know. Then, you know, Uh, there should be that should actually bring a lot of pressure because you know how good the prize is that you're playing for. You should feel very nervous when you're playing for such a great thing here. Uh, We got the wings for you to the Desperado. We also got a shirt. Here's the deal. You get we get three trivia questions asked to you. If you get two of them, you got the wings. If you get all three, we're going to give you a shirt as well. And if you uh, need help on any one of these, Coulter is your lifeline. Okay? got
2: it. Okay. Boy, some chicken wings had really hit the spot. Tell me,
1: like,
3: likey. Tell me, want
1: wingy. Okay, John, here we go. Question number one Ezekiel Elliott just signed a contract extension, making him the highest paid player uh, in uh, running back history in the NFL. Uh, how long is the contract extension in terms of years? How many years did he sign?
0: I got a six-year contract extension.
1: It is a six-year extension, John. Excellently done. Way to uh, pay attention to the uh, uh, current affairs in the NFL. That is correct. Uh, $50 million guaranteed. And from now until 2026, $102 million on the books uh, for Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the running back for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. As I mentioned, this is question number two now, John. Question number two. He is now the highest-paid running back in football. Multiple-choice question for you. Who was the highest-paid running back in football prior to the signing of Ezekiel Elliott today? Was it Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, or Leonard Fournette? It would be Todd Gurley. Give this man his wigs. Todd Gurley, $45 million guaranteed. I don't know his full contract, the Gurley deal. $45 million, but Todd Gurley did sign the biggest, the richest running back deal uh in uh, in professional football. John, you it's almost like you weren't nervous at all. I'm very <laughs> impressed with you on this. Uh okay, here we go. Question number 3. You still got a lifeline. Last year, what what team, what team in the NFL led the league in rushing? Hmm. Not 100% on this. I
2: mean, I I might have a guess but I'll use my lifeline. Well, you today. Might
1: as, you might as well talk it out there with Coulter uh, and uh, and see what he comes up with. Coulter do you have do you have any uh, help what, what John what I mean you said you have a guess you can talk it over with Coulter who are you thinking about that might be uh, you know the, 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 the team that you <laughs> have in you
2: well, I was thinking the Cowboys only because Zeke has been you know, leading you know, scrimmage-wise for the last three seasons, but I don't think that's just all rushing for, him for the Cowboys. So I'm not 100% with them. Uh, I wanted maybe it was Kansas City as well because of, you know, prior to everything with Kareem Hunt, but also with mm-hmm. Williams mm-hmm. towards the end of the season. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just not 100% sure on uh, either one team. I can't really pinpoint the exact team, though.
1: Colter, what do you think? Do you have any recollection? Do you have any idea of who uh, may be Um, the... uh...
0: I'm pretty sure that Todd Gurley led the league in rushing individually a year ago, but I do not think that the Rams led as a team. I I know that the Baltimore Ravens ran the ball more often than anybody else in the league, and that was mainly because they had the most prevalent ball carrier... Amongst quarterbacks in Lamar Jackson, I mean they're they're running a more college style offense. They had multiple, <laughs> they had multiple <laughs> mediocre guys carrying the ball, and then one spectacular guy in Lamar Jackson. Um, but I, I'm not really sure what the production level was like. Um, I'm just I'm trying to think because so often the teams with the best running backs aren't the teams that actually lead the league in rushing overall because it's usually the teams that have multiple guys that average fifty yards a game that are. The, so I'm trying to think of teams that have three-headed monsters at running back.
1: I, I'm in it. I'm gonna just give you a couple of hints here, okay? Because is it a team that plays multiple backs that doesn't have a you're premier all back? All over You're on the right okay, track. Okay, so I
0: think. Okay, so then I, I have. I think I, I. I think it. I think the Seahawks are a definitely a worthy candidate. and I think the Bears are definitely a worthy candidate. I I would say, man. Ooh, I like this question. This flip, I think it's a flip of coin, man. I would say the Seahawks, but I'm not. I'm not fully confident in that. I would. The Bears are right there too.
2: Um, I would like to. I would probably agree with the Bears. Maybe. I mean, Jordan Howard, uh, he was there. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean,
1: I would say the Bears. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, Coulter. You do not <laughs> win a shirt today. Okay. <laughs> So uh, just make sure to wear shorts, and they'll still let you in even with no shirt, and you're still going to get your wings, John, okay? Fantastic. Okay. Give your information there uh, to the boys in the back, and we'll get you set up with the wings. By the way, excellently done on the first two. I mean, you knocked them out of the park. You were on the hunt here, and I will talk you through here uh, this third one. John, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, hello there, my friends. Ryan Tutel here, and you probably know that Blackfoot is a local partner for internet, voice, and professional services that helps businesses just like yours all around the state of Montana, but maybe you don't know just how much they're actually doing. You couldn't even imagine how many miles, yes, miles, like hundreds of miles of fiber optic cable they are laying across the state of Montana and specifically now in Bozeman and the Gallatin Valley near St. Ignatius and several other regions to increase the connectivity and speed in which we can communicate to that of light. That's right. Fiber optics. They work with light. Did you know that? Quite a lesson. If you want to go study it, I encourage you to do so. Hey, go visit goblackfoot.com and see what it is that they're up to. I think you'll be amazed at all of the work that is being done just so that we can talk quickly with each other and do things like, I don't know, listen to a Two-Tel Nuwana's podcast. 866-541-5000 to give them a call or online at goblackfoot.com. You can click the link in the description while you're listening and just check out what they're up to. Support the ones who support us. Blackfoot. The Rams, Coulter, Yep. Third. Okay. The Baltimore Ravens, which I never ever would have gotten to. It's two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got there only because they threw the ball the least in the league. I yeah. knew, I know that stat for yeah. sure because yeah. they're trying to protect Lamar Jackson. Well, sort of. They're trying to they're trying to hide Lamar Jackson yeah, yeah, yeah. more like sacrifice Lamar Jackson. Um, but I, I just figured that they I knew they ran the or I knew they threw the ball the least. Yeah. So I figured they had to be th- running the ball the most, or one of the most. Uh, number
1: one in the league last year, the Seattle Seahawks. Number one running rushing team in
0: the NFL. I, yeah, I mean, I believe it. because Chris had, Carson,
1: he, Rashad Penny, Russell Wilson. Yeah. And Russell Wilson, I think, rushed for the least amount of yards in his career last season. But he still, I mean, he's good for 500 yards, like, market a season on the ground, right? It's just going to happen. And, uh, and like you said, they had multiple guys doing it. I will tell you, the Bears are not in the top five. I don't even know. I'll take a look here and see where, where the uh, the Bears rank. But uh, the Seattle Seahawks, 160 yards a game. Uh, the Chicago Bears, 11th in the league uh, overall last year. The Panthers and the Patriots rounded out the top five uh, in, uh, in rushing yardage.
0: Funny that the uh, the number one national storyline surrounding the Seahawks has been their offensive line, which it, actually that storyline needs to die because their offensive line is actually pretty good. Well, now. And, and
1: was it three years ago? It was horrendous. Then they they traded and they got Brown right, Juwan Br- uh, Dwayne Brown, Dwayne Brown, yeah,
2: from uh, the Texans, yep. and
1: that helped them substantially. And. And now they have reinforced it. And they actually have one of the better offensive lines in, in football. Certainly not a top five line, but I, I would say probably top 10, 10, 12, you know. Uh, and when they do what they do on the ground and we, you know, for for all of the sort of snickering, Brian Schottenheimer does know how to get a team to run the football. He does know. And so when he gets brought in as the offensive coordinator, like you can, you can say, you know, that's pretty good. Now, I don't know what Seattle's going to do this year. Um, I think they're going to be very good running the football. Again, people are all over, like Tyler Walkett mm-hmm. as, a, as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they bring in DK Metcalf, which is maybe the biggest rookie question mark or maybe biggest boom or bust potential of, of any, you know, skill position guy in this draft. Um, I just don't think it's really I, – I just don't think they're, the weapons are there for Seattle through the air. Uh, but, you know – There's a lot of ways to be productive you know there just are a lot of ways to be productive when you have a really good sixth sense type of quarterback like russell wilson uh who can extend plays i mean that's the thing is you don't have to be a great wide receiver to get open if you've got four and a half seconds to get open if you only got two seconds to get open you have to be great but if you got four and a half seconds because your boy is going to start running question marks in the backfield Well, he waits for you to figure it out, you know, you can go out there and find some open space eventually as you're, you know, meandering downfield. Maybe that's what Seattle's going to do. Seems like that's what they have to do a lot.
0: What was the lowest? So what was the Seahawks' average last year? About 160, 165 yards a game? on the dot. Okay. What's the lowest number amongst NFL teams? Uh, The Arizona Cardinals, 83.9. Ouch. Ouch. That's that's low. Okay, but they had David Johnson out. Who What's second lowest? Uh, Pittsburgh, 90.3. So there's there's two teams that average less than 100. How many there's, teams average less than 100? Six.
1: Six. The wow. Falcons, Eagles, Bucks, Vikings, Steelers, and Cardinals all average less than 100 yards. Well,
0: right. And what's the common thread between five out of those six teams? I don't know. Their feature running backs got hurt in the first month of the season. But Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman were both hurt last year for Atlanta. Dolvin Cook was hurt last year for Minnesota. David Johnson was hurt last year for Arizona. I, I guess, the, regardless, the, the point I was going to make, that's a little bit more striking than I thought it was going to be, but it's still not that. Yeah,
1: I mean, Arizona's half the yardage on the right, ground that, right, that Seattle is.
0: Right, I, I guess and that, that is a little bit striking. But I guess the point I was going to make is it's, it's so di- interesting analyzing pro statistics versus college statistics. If you were to rush for 250 yards a game in the NFL, I mean, you would be killing people. <laughs> two hundred fifty mm-hmm. yards, one or two times a year, is amazing. If you rush yeah. for two fifty a game, you're killing people. That's what almost every powerhouse running team in the in, in college football does. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there'll be th- two, three, four teams that rush for two fifty a game in the Big Sky this year alone, and, and the, the delineation is so crazy too. Right? Like in college football, you might have a team in a conference that, like Cal Poly, who runs for four hundred yards a game, and you might have another team like. You know, a couple of years back when Jerry Glanville was at Portland State where they're throwing the ball 70 times a game and they're rushing yeah. for 75 yards a game. So now <laughs> the difference between first and last is 300 yards. That in itself is wild. It's just, it's just so f- interesting how much more homogenized the NFL game is in the it, college it, game.
1: it is true. Uh, and the thing that's, that's even more interesting, uh, culture to me on this, is there's six teams that went under 100 yards uh, a game. But Seattle is at 160 and Baltimore is at 152. Nobody else is over 140. 139 uh, is third for the uh, for the Los Angeles Rams in terms of yards per game on the ground. I mean, that's just what it is. And yet you'll throw for, I mean, if you have a quarterback who's throwing for 260 yards in a game, you go, oh, well, that was not that great. You know, I mean, that's that's. That's something else. Uh, It is Tutel Nuanus, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Hey, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Southeast Missouri, they're headed to Bozeman to play the Bobcats in the uh, Gold Rush game, Montana State's home opener. That also on Saturday night under the lights. Jeff Choate had a lot of things to say about this team. We're going to talk more about the Cats versus Southeast Missouri State tomorrow, but we'll give you a little insight on some of Jeff Choate's history, namely – Gambling on a riverboat.
3: Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not.
0: It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore